joy is used. And it's often determined by one's circumstances. So something really good happens, and we say, oh, that was a really joyful thing, or that was a really joyful occasion. Biblical joy includes this type of joy, but it's also more substantial. There's more to joy than just our circumstances, which is really awesome because it also means that biblical joy is more constant, that um, it's, it's less fleeting. It's less of a fleeting emotion as, as um, joy is often defined. Now, it can be felt as emotion, but it's also a bit more than that. So here's a definition I'd like to work with today uh, for, for joy. It's a state of being or an attitude that results from the choice to choose to trust and hope in God and in God's promises. So it's a state of being or an attitude that results from the choice to trust in what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. So that's the definition of joy that we're going to talk about today. And, and in Scripture, we also see that joy is a fruit of the Spirit, that joy is a gift from God. I'd like to read today uh, from Luke chapter 2. You can follow along up, up here on the screens. There's also some Bibles scattered about under your seats if you'd like to, to open up a Bible. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. We read about Jesus. So then there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. I mean, can you imagine the scene? The shepherds out in the field doing their normal thing. And, and the shepherds in that society, they were kind of lowly in, as far as like social standing. They're just out in the fields to caring for the sheep. And then all of a sudden, um, an angel appears. And, and I don't know what it looked like, but I'm imagining it as bright. The glory of the Lord shone all around them. And this is what the angel says to them. I bring you good news. And the good news is that the Savior has had been born, the Messiah, the Lord. And this is the long-awaited Savior that Israel's been waiting for for hundreds of years. That the Savior's been prophesied about that, that he will come and he will rescue his people. And so the angel says this will cause great joy for all the people. And so joy here is tied to the Savior. Joy is tied to Jesus coming. You know, um, I was thinking about joy all, all week this week, and I was, I was trying to think of, you know, when have I seen joy really clearly? And uh, right now we have, we have two girls. Um, they're 13 and 11. They're as tall or taller than me, so they're big girls. Um, but they didn't always... 
they weren't always that big. When I remember when they were just little little toddlers, and the volume level was a little bit higher in our house. And I remember when uh, Grandma Wynette would call and say, "Hey, I need to stop by. I need to I need to drop something off or something." And so I would tell the girls, "Okay, Grandma Wynette is coming in just just a few minutes." And and they would shriek out of excitement, and they would run to the front window, and they would make sure the blinds were open. I'd have to help them with that, and they would just stand there bouncing up and down, waiting for for grandma to get there. And as I moved about the house, I didn't I didn't have to wonder if grandma was there yet, because when the car pulled into the driveway, then the high shrieks began again. She's here. Grandma is here. The person that they had been waiting so long for <laughs> had finally arrived. I, I, I see that when I think of joy. And Israel had waited for hundreds of years for the Messiah. And so finally, the angels came and they said, the Messiah has come. The Savior has been born. The one who will bring freedom and deliverance. And this is cause for great joy, not just for Israel, but for all people. As Jesus began his ministry, um, a few years later, Jesus began his ministry and, and he went to a synagogue and he read a prophecy from Isaiah that described his purpose. And I want you to hear the, the passage that Jesus read. We'll start off in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you hear in there Jesus's purpose to proclaim good news, to heal those who need healing, and to set people free? This is the good news of the Savior that brings great joy to all people. As Jesus continued his ministry, he modeled and he taught a way of life um, that was based on love. And in John 15, Jesus will actually link joy to remaining in his love. I want you to hear this passage. We'll start off in John 15, starting in verse 9. And this is Jesus speaking here. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus says, remain in me, abide in me, dwell in me. That, that word remain can be translated in different ways, and it actually has a sense of continuation and longevity. It's like a lifestyle. It says, remain in me, 
specifically remain in my love and keep my commands. Love others as I have loved you. And the result of that will be that Jesus's joy will be in us and that our joy will be complete. I love, I love this passage. I love this, this concept that joy, that Jesus is the source of joy. That our joy, that constant and abiding joy comes from Jesus. And that there is joy in the experience of his love for us. And, and this joy, as we remain in Jesus's love, this type of joy is what makes our joy complete. That, that there's no other way to find this type of joy, this complete joy that it is found in being in Jesus. So as we think about this, let's go back to our, our definition of biblical joy, a state of being or an attitude that results from the choice to hope and trust in what God has done, is doing, and will continue to do, and all the promises and the works of God. It is in remaining rooted, anchored, remaining grounded in Jesus and in Jesus' love that the Holy Spirit develops in us this deep sense of joy. And I love that. And there's, there's, there's two experiences of that, this being rooted and grounded in love. That's for us to experience for ourselves, Jesus's love, but also to live into that, to love others as Jesus has loved us. That's all included in that. And I want to say in my life, and I want to invite us all to say in our lives, yes to more of that kind of joy. <laughs> Yes, yes, Jesus, we, we want more of that joy. Now, it would be, um, I think I'd be remiss not to mention that as we talk about joy, there's some also some misunderstandings as related to joy. And um, sometimes people will, will assume, especially in the church, that if you're a follower of Jesus, that you should feel joy all the time. And this can even be taken to an extreme that, that you must be happy <laughs> no matter what's going on in your life. And even today I was talking with someone who's like, I'm, I'm not feeling that, that giddy, <laughs> that, the, the super happy um, part of Christmas. And, and that's okay. You know, this idea, this, this myth, this misunderstanding that we must be happy all the time can lead to what's sometimes called toxic positivity where people are not allowed to be anything but happy. And that all other experiences or feelings are discounted or ignored. And can I just say that's a really unhealthy thing. <laughs> really unhealthy. And so, um, and I think part of it stems from this assumption um, that, especially in the church, this assumption that to be joyful means that we're not sad or we're not upset about anything else or we're not having any other experience. And can I just say that um, joy and, and pain are not mutually exclusive? You can feel both at the same time. In fact, we see that in Scripture. We see joy present in pain and in suffering. In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 6, 
we, we read, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. You welcomed the message of Jesus in the midst of severe suffering, and the Holy Spirit gave you joy in the midst of that. So you see suffering and joy go hand in hand there. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, this verse, I remember when I first read it as a teenager, I was like, oh, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> um, I, still, I still remember that experience. But James chapter 1, starting verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Uh, I lost my place. <laughs> because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. I remember as a kid thinking, what do you mean consider it pure joy when you're going through a trial? Like that doesn't even make sense. But, but that does make sense if joy isn't coming just for my circumstances, just from the things that are happening around me, if there's a source of joy outside of that. You know, at the second coming of Jesus, all will be made new. And we see in Revelations that there'll be no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears. In fact, God wipes the tears from our eyes. And that'll be such a beautiful time. And yet we're not quite there yet, right? Like we're promised that, but we live in the in-between times, in the present. And right now, um, until we get to that point, pain and suffering are just a part of the human experience. But right now, friends, we are invited to experience joy and to choose joy. We choose joy by choosing to trust and to hope in the work that God is doing in his promises that he will heal and he will restore, in God's promises to save and to redeem. And, and we choose joy by choosing to participate in the good work that God is doing in this world. This brings joy even in the midst of our pain and our suffering. I think we need that. I think our world needs that today. So this Advent, as we've been talking about hope and peace and joy, and next week we'll talk about love, we've, we've wanted to spend some time together just praying, uh, praying for the coming uh, of joy as, as Jesus comes. And we, we want to pray for joy in very tangible ways. And so I want to invite you to do that with me. Um, when I reflect on the last few years, it's been a real whirlwind <laughs> with the global pandemic, um, with a lot of unrest. Think of the, the racism that has really come to the forefront. You think of the political upheaval that has happened, that is happening in our nation. I mean, there's so much that has happened in the last few years because of that, or in part because of that, um, there's a real mental health crisis 
happening right now. And, and there's a huge rise in anxiety, a huge rise in depression, a huge rise in just grief and sorrow with the number of people that we have lost, um, a rise in, in isolation and loneliness. And there's still also this lingering stigma um, especially in the church, but even outside of the church, but this lingering stigma that to seek help, especially like mental health help, um, is, is not, not good for some reason. And that we should be able to do it on our own. I mean, culturally, we're told to be, we're fiercely independent, right? Like you should, my dad used to say growing up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps sort of mentality. You know, he would describe it that way. He's, from Texas. That's a, I guess, a Texan maybe expression. Um, but that we're supposed to do it on our own. And sometimes that type of mentality is also within the church. And you hear responses when, when mental health struggles and our shares responses like, well, just pray about it. And um, can I just say, I believe prayer is so powerful. We serve a powerful God. And yes, we, we should be praying about these things. And yes, sometimes God chooses to just heal us through prayer. And also, God created us, these complex human beings, with, with our, our, our mental and our emotional and our spiritual and our physical beings all intricately interwoven and connected into this one complex being. And, and as this, this, this whole being, we need, um, a, we have a variety of needs and have a variety of ways to heal. And so just pray can, be an oversimplification and can even be a harmful response when it's taken as only pray and don't seek out other help. And so I just kind of wanted to speak to that for a moment as we're talking about mental health. You know, we serve a God who exists in community. We serve a God who exists in relationship, the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and we serve a God who created us in, in his image. And in fact, in Genesis, if you go back, it says in their image, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we are also created to be relational beings, to live in community. And it's all over scripture. We're called to love one another and to support one another and to carry each other's burdens and to encourage one another. And so friends, I want to state real clearly that I, if you are struggling right now with your mental health, whatever, whatever that looks like in your life, I want to state real clearly that you don't have to struggle alone. That there are people um, who want to walk with you in community. And, and maybe that looks like here, people here in this community to, to walk with you. And sometimes we also need trained professionals we need counselors and therapists. I know in my life there have been multiple seasons where I needed that kind of help. And it took a therapist to help me see the unhealthy patterns in my life and, and to work with me to, to help create those healthy patterns and habits. And there's no shame in that. In fact, we're called, we're called to, to be, live in, in community and that's just part of it. 
And always, in all of this, the Holy Spirit is so present. The constant presence of God with us. Whether, whether we feel the Holy Spirit or not, God's promises are faithful. And the Holy Spirit walks with us. I love that about God, that as we're, you know, if you think of the, the image of light and darkness, if you're about to enter <laughs> into some darkness, as opposed to stepping away, God is right there with us, walking us through that darkness. And so today I would like to invite us to pray for joy in the face of the mental health crisis that we find ourselves in. And so I'd like to, to just uh, pray silently for, for just a few moments here, and I invite you to cry out to God in your heart, in your mind, whatever that looks like for you. Know there is freedom to whatever comes I invite you, maybe you're just sitting still and you're just listening to God as we collectively in community lift this up to, to God. But we pray for Jesus's joy in the face of mental health crisis. Lord God, we thank you that one of the things you are working in us through your Holy Spirit is joy. And so, Lord, as a community, we pray. We pray for more joy, for your joy. To come, Lord, in increasing measure in our community, in our nation, and in our world. Lord, we lament and we cry out to you about the mental health crisis that's, that's so prevalent right now. Lord, the rise in anxiety and depression and sorrow and loneliness. And we ask for your divine healing touch. We know that you are a God who is close to the brokenhearted. We know that you are a God who stays near when we walk through darkness. And so we cry out to you. And we ask for your healing. We ask that you would help us and our communities to overcome the stigma or the shame in asking and seeking help. We pray specifically for more mental health resources in our community, Lord. Available and affordable counseling and therapy. Facilities and and, and train professionals to help with substance abuse recovery. Lord, we pray for the support groups of, of all kinds that, that people need. We ask that you would use people to help provide for those needs in our community. And Lord, we choose to trust and to hope in your promises of healing and restoration.
your promises of deliverance. Lord, we choose joy because we know that you are the great healer. And we rejoice that you are making everything new and that one day there will be no more anxiety, no more depression, no more sorrow, no more loneliness. And so, Lord, we long for that day. We see the good work that you are doing, but, Lord, we also ask that, that you would work in us and use us in that work. In this in-between time, we continue to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. As a community, um, we are invited to take communion together, and we've been doing that each week this Advent. And as we take communion, we remember what Jesus has done, that Jesus, God in human flesh, the Savior, the Messiah, the one who's cause for great joy, that Jesus has come and set us free from sin and death and offers us new life. There's this passage that I want to read from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Listen, listen for the description here of joy. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. How does that work for the joy set before him? There was no joy in the pain and the torture of the cross, but rather the joy came from what God was doing through the cross, from the results of the cross that Jesus knew was happening. That in Jesus, God would be the atoning sacrifice for humanity's sin and brokenness. That Jesus would conquer sin and death. He would rise again and offer forgiveness and new life. And so that's what we remember during communion. I want to invite the band to come back up. As we take communion, we remember Jesus's death. We remember that his death was the atoning sacrifice and that God offers forgiveness and grace. And so we'll take a little cracker, the bread that represents his body broken, and we'll drink a little bit of juice that represents his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And our invitation, or, or the invitation, invitation I'd like to extend today as we take communion is in this act to choose joy, to choose to trust and to hope in what God has 
is and continues to do because God is bringing about restoration and salvation. And friends, we get to be a part of that. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing one more song together. And during that time, you're welcome to stand. If you'd like to take communion and come to the middle, you can grab some juice. You can grab a cracker. There's a gluten-free option. There's also two tables up front here. And you're welcome to go ahead. Maybe if you came with your family or with a friend, you can um, say a little prayer together and go ahead and take that at any point. Um, eat, eat that and drink the juice at any point during that song, and then I'll come back up and we'll close out. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God of love. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the forgiveness found in you, for the restoration found in you, for the new life found in you, for the pure presence in us and around us, the Holy Spirit transforming us to be more like you. As we take communion today, we remember your body broken, your blood poured out, and Lord, we choose to remain in your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.